Greetings, this is The Pub, Australia Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Molly Kressel. I'm Daniel Moorbuck. Today on the show... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Superheroes! Superheroes! Oh, this is so undignified. <laughs> Daniel is back book. again. Yes. It's good to have you back. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, What are we going to talk about today? We have three titles that we're going to talk about, but we need a little setup, and you're going to do that for us. Yes, we're we're going to do superheroes, but deconstructing superheroes Mm -hmm. as opposed to you know the typical uh, uh, George Reeves and flying around. We got the tights. Uh, You know, reading books that deconstruct what we might be used to about superheroes. We got the tights. We still got tights, I think, in these. But we're going to take them off. We got super tights, especially (laughs) with our third book. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that's right. So tell us, um, let's set it up. What is the function of the superhero as we know it before we deconstruct that? Well, I I think the great thing about the superhero genre is it's, it's a mashup of all the other genres that you can think of. Science fiction, fantasy noir and detective books like that that's batman right Mm -hmm. mythology superman's wrapped up in a lot of mythology so you can turn a corner and and get a totally different tone of story with its own tropes of of the genres that it's pulling from the marvel movies are extremely diverse i think we've all seen that Mm -hmm. but the the superhero genre is itself got its its own tropes as opposed to just saying well, let's just deal with the big giant sandbox that is literature you know superheroes oftentimes they have the dual identities clark kent and superman they have the the bright uh, eye-catching colors they deal a lot with iconic iconography there's a very uh, binary um approach to morality it's it's like the light side dark side in star wars it's it says you're either doing right or you're doing wrong. And mm-hmm. as long as you're hanging out with the Avengers or you're hanging out with the Justice League, like you can be like, I don't know, am I doing what's right in life? Sure, I am. Superman's like right over there. Like, I don't need to think about this anymore. Right. So it, you got these like th- these typical tropes that you see in superhero films, despite the the very very wide diversity in the types of stories that we could tell. Mm-hmm. That that's how I see it. So it's, uh, it narrows things in many ways, both morally yes. and socially, right? Yes, um, but in a way where when you're talking about uh, morally speaking, I, I think it is tends to be very narrow. Uh-huh. But I think that's also where you get like the best villains aren't just bad. Killmonger, Thanos, uh, like yeah. these weren't people who were trying to do evil things because they just gleefully love hurting people. It's... I, I believe I have a moral stance here, and once I explain that moral stance or it becomes clear, it hopefully makes the audience go, oh, I'm maybe somewhat uncomfortable because he kind of has a point. Mm-hmm. And that kind of breaks with the typical genre tropes, and that, that's where you can come in and do something a bit more unexpected. Yeah, yeah. From an icon standpoint, like Superman, all right, you big dope, your name starts with an S and you have an S on your chest, but it's... <laughs> It's an icon, right? Yeah. And corporations do this all the time is you have the the Microsoft logo, you have the Amazon logo, you have complex ideas that's distilled down into a simple visual cue. Mm-hmm. And all that that's why all the superheroes they wear 
their icon on their chest so mm-hmm. that when they fly in, you know who you're looking at, even mm-hmm. if he, I don't know, changed his costume or something. It's, it's that those complex ideas distilled down in this image that they, they boldly wear as they swoop in to save the day. It's the Nike swoosh. Yeah, Home Depot presents exactly Superman. What it is. Yes. Home Depot <laughs> presents <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it's also important to mention too that in a lot of traditional superhero stories there is like a hyper idealized world mm. that things are not at least in what is more mainstream you see something is black and white basically there is the super good and the super evil and you know that you are opposing the evil like you said daniel because you're hanging next to superman and when people come in and disrupt those ideals and say well hey this is actually the real world like thanos like he's not doing i mean he is doing a super evil but for what could be a reasonable reason when those ideals start to break you get the more interesting and the more complex superhero Mm, stories yeah i would agree yeah if at least when, you know, you have characters who believe they live in a black and white world and then you have characters like, haha, no, you don't. Yeah. And that kind of brings in the idea that they're, they're not officiated law enforcement agents. Mm-hmm. They're not fighting for the law. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, well, you know, statute so-and-so, so-and-so says you can't do that. And they're not doing that. They're fighting for this sort of generalized idea of what's right and wrong. Yeah. Uh, they're they're extrajudicious. They're not part of like some sort of elected body. So what what are you really fighting for? Are you re- fighting for gl- larger social change, or are you fighting f- to just kind of keep that status quo? Yeah, which segues nicely. Mm-hmm. It's almost the as status cue. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if you planned it into the filth. <sighs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> the two of us so. over here make, are making. <laughs> Not You're nice. Kind of rolling faces. your eyes and yeah. gritting your teeth. Yes, we look. All right. So the filth um, is not for everybody, mm-hmm. as we can read between the subtext between you two. <laughs> it's it's a very weird sort of story, and many people would argue it it wasn't intended to be presented as a superhero narrative, deconstructed uh-huh. or otherwise. Uh, I would say the author Grant Morrison. He just loves doing everything i think that's why he's great at writing superheroes is he understands they really are everything and there are modern mythology and it's science fiction and it's this so grant morrison is famous for one of the things uh one of the books he's famous for is the invisibles and this is sort of a spiritual sequel to it It, you don't need to read the invisibles beforehand but i think it once you start picking up on, on some of the things that he's playing with the invisibles functions as sort of a deconstruction of many of the tropes that superheroes play with. You have the main character uh, who has to deal with his own sort of dual identity when he finds out, oh, I'm I'm actually a secret agent for this secret organization, mm-hmm. right? And then he finds out, oh, wait, that, that wasn't true at all. The agent was the implant and so it's this flip on the dual identity sort of trope. Yeah, and the, t- uh, the title itself, The Filth, is slang, right? Um, it's British slang for two things, for the police and for porn. I didn't know that part about the police. That's interesting. Yep. So both, I think, are sort of pertinent with regard to the deconstruction, right? I think absolutely, because these guys are not like, they're, they're not the police per se, but they're part of a clandestine mm. organization that 
keeps as they put it the status quo, mm-hmm. which is the status quo. Yep. So really, it, it he has to now spend his time taking out people that aren't necessarily trying to blow up the world, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. trying to disrupt society. Yeah. So you have this organization of people that have access to maybe not superpowers per se, but super technology mm-hmm. that now go around and sock a bunch of people in the jaw, so to speak. Mm-hmm. When they try and say, you know what, maybe if society was this way, they're like, no, 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 stop. I'm going <laughs> to, we're going to take you out. We're going to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we going to have a conversation about this? No, no, no. Status quo. This, this is what we need to do. It's fine the way it is. So there's no moral argument here. Nope. There's just us and you beneath our boot. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not necessarily this Justice League where it's for truth and justice and et cetera, et cetera. It's maybe you're not immoral or moral, but like morality just doesn't really have a play in this, mm-hmm. which maybe that is a bit of an uncomfortable truth that we have to admit about some of our superheroes. Well, that's really interesting, too, because in the more traditional, the constructing of the superhero mythos, the status quo is usually the greater good. It's you're preserving the world as it is because the world is good. That's less so in the filth. And yes, at least typically, like the, the brighter, shinier superheroes with their bright colors, you go into, say, Batman's world and mm. it's sort of, all right, well, the scarecrow is doing terrible things if he socks him in the head and stops him. Like, I'm super okay with that. But yeah. once you sort of take a step back, like, hang on. So you're, you're spending billions of dollars to beat up literally the criminally insane, like mentally ill people mm-hmm. and what, like drug runners. I feel like if you took those billions and I don't know, donated it to schooling system, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, create some jobs here bold of you to assume batman is mentally stable (laughs) (laughs) right um i'm gonna pass on that question (laughs) batman it's my favorite superhero so i don't want uh, that makes me uncomfortable to have to so i'm not going to (laughs) look i love batman too but (laughs) nope no moving on that is that's a common trope with with that particular character is you know well, if he keeps fighting the criminally insane in Arkham Asylum, like what does that say about him? Because what he's doing is not rational. So, so the filth is um, uh, also utilizes say the the bright colors. They go out with these bright giant wigs and these these yeah. extremely eye catching mm-hmm. costumes. And but the the trick here is that that's set up to not be seen by society. So it's this inverse of. Clark Kent blends in versus Superman flying through the sky. You see Superman. You're like, holy crap, it's Superman flying up in there. And you see this bright red and this bright blue. And the filth is trying to hide within society to maintain uh, what they see as normalcy. So I have a question. Uh, If the sort of standard idea of the superhero is in many ways comfortable for us, right? Um, because we can have a sense of understanding of who the good guys are, who the bad guys are in life, let's say. Mm -hmm. With this book, uh, in many ways, it's breaking the narrative that we understand, like the dual identity and all that kind of stuff. It's also, in many ways, breaking the fourth wall, right? You think it's Grant Morrison's intention to have us feel the same kind of discomfort um, that we feel outside of the 
warm embrace of the comfort of the superhero genre itself or the idea of the superhero by doing these sorts of things in the text? Absolutely, but even more broadly than that, I, I think he wants to hang a lantern uh, not just on you know <laughs> fighting for truth, uh, justice in the Amer- American way, uh, and to say, well, what the heck does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think he wants to speak much more broadly about making us think about status quo, period. Mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. the, there's a chapter where they have to um, uh, rescue a, a uh, an ocean liner. Oh. Where the the bad guy there? I know that was a rough one. That's my least favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> that that, but I, I think that kind of encapsulates the point that I'm trying to make yeah. is that before they go in, uh, the bad guy had used some sort of you know science fiction magic mm-hmm. to destroy the concept of social norms within uh, the the minds of the passengers, or uh, something to that effect. And so they, they have the, the agents say, all right, well, we got to just so you know what's going on here. There's going to be a lot of cannibalism. There's going to be a lot of incest. There's going to be a lot of this. There's And like he bullet points it very nonchalantly. But everything that he bullet points is like the ultimate social taboos. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, that that's just society and the social norms torn absolutely down. Mm-hmm. That's not done for for shock value. I don't think it's. If you're talking about social norms, we're smiling knowingly at one another while you say that, because <laughs> we we think that it is done for shock value. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, I don't think it's done just for shock okay, value. Okay. I I think it's done because when you're talking about, you know, we're we're an organization that fights for status quo and and the you know normalcy. Well, I I think the only way you can really accent that is to really confront the what are the ultimate social no-nos mm-hmm. social right. taboos mm-hmm. and I, I think that was kind of the point of the ocean line like he kidnaps the president and forces him mm-hmm. to, uh, gives him forced breast implants and breasts, forces him to act yeah. like a prostitute yeah and it's sort of like i don't think he's trying to take a poop on the american predecessor presidency or anything like that by the way this was written in like early 2000s so it's not currently topical in the same way Mm -hmm. so but it's like hey man you don't you don't talk about the presidency like that is like why not i'm having fun here Mm -hmm. like you could have done that with like a ceo or or anybody but he he chooses to deconstruct this idea that the the presidency or the idea of the presidency is sacred and it's masculine and it's somehow um not exactly chaste, but you, you don't conflate the presidency and sex. It's like, well, why not? Let's just do that. Well, in the early no, 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 2000s. No, that, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, right. Th- so <laughs> that's that's part of my beef with this with this book is that I I'm not uh, you know uh, prude. It doesn't that that's not so much what bothers me. It's the really heavy handed nature of that some of that stuff. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that's part of what he's sort of going for. Maybe he's just a modern day it. Diogenes of Sinope yeah. walking around shoving lanterns <laughs> in people's faces. Yes. Like, dude, it's daylight. Calm down. We know. <laughs> We're woke, dude. <laughs> We're you know. woke, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it does do, I mean, it does exactly the stuff that you're saying. I mean, I will grant um, that to grant. You'll grant it. <laughs> Boo. 
<laughs> oh man, terrible puns with names. We should move on. It's, to we should move on. Yes, we should move on to the boys. Ah, uh, the boys. The boys. The boys are back in town. <gasps> They are. So this got a bit of uh, wide range recognition. Amazon Prime did a great TV series. I love it. Recently. Yeah. Uh, I, I really liked it. And it's hard for me to talk about just the book without looping in the TV show at least a little bit. Sure. Um, let's do it. But let's go full bore. Yeah. The Boys is Garth Ennis's and I think um, deconstruction of of superheroes. Keeping in mind that I don't know if he's ever explicitly stated it, but I think he just doesn't like superheroes. <laughs> like as I think he finds the whole thing just absurd. Yeah, and the guy likes violence mm-hmm. and he likes sex and he I think he just finds these things entertaining. Mm-hmm. He's he's explicitly said that violence and sex are, are not like some deeper meaning of the human condition. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. So the entire book is a guy who hates superheroes but loves violence, mm-hmm. like just writing a book about violence against superheroes because mm-hmm. kind of just screw these guys. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, he kind of starts with the idea of I, I just need my own little team that can go kick the crap out of people that need to be kicked the crap out of because mm-hmm. if you got superpowers then you're you're just kind of gonna go whatever do what you want and he sort of marries the superhero to the celebrity it's always been an aspect of the super teams like oh no there's a bank robbery look it's superman mm-hmm. holy crap it's superman i'm gonna get a picture of him he's superman mm-hmm. but it, it marries it more with the very much the less than desirable aspects of celebrity where yes. you, you have to wear two faces. And I don't mean the dual identities in exactly the same way. It's I'm in costume, but there's my in-camera personality and there's I'm mm-hmm. back in my headquarters personality, mm-hmm. which is, man, those blankety blank blanks. And mm-hmm. hey, you want to go upstairs and uh, or you order some prostitutes? Mm-hmm. It's it's an uncensored British approach to American superheroes. Yeah, and I think now, it, I think even the sh- even with the show, there are a lot of extremely graphic images, panels, mm-hmm. sequences from the graphic novel that don't make it into the show. But they do mm-hmm. a really great job, I think, with sort of I don't know that on stage persona with you know the sort of the outfit that Starlight has to wear. That sort of Me Too yeah. moment that's really mm-hmm. kind of creepy at the, you know, in one of the first kind of episodes yep. there. So they don't have to, in some ways I think it, it it's it might be more effective to let our imagination, um, you know, run wild in that scene that's cut, you know, where Starlight is introduced, you know, to yeah. the, you know, the life and what she's expected to do with the male superheroes or whatever. Plural in the book, singular yeah. in the show. In, yeah, oh, really? The show. Yeah, because we yeah in the book yeah. it's, it's okay. It, here we need a we need a villain, right? Um, a single. It's it's much easier to digest. I think a, a single jerk. You know, um, when it comes to who perpetrated. Although you know, in some ways, it makes it more focused and less about the celebrity of it, right? In general. See, but that's what I think is so interesting about the boys altogether is that so you have the superheroes who are supposed to be the quote unquote good guys and then you but they're actually jerks. And then you have the boys who are 
basically our anti-heroes mm-hmm. who are like, yes, we're going to take out the bad guys, but also we are terrible people. Yeah. 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 That's t- pretty typical for, for Garth Ennis is he, he kind of has three types of characters. It's, it's sort of the boorish like jerks and then the naive people who kind of believe in good, but mm-hmm. usually get stomped on. And then you just have the, the punching bags yeah. that right. they're just such squishy little personalities that you you just want them to get beat up and you're like no <laughs> god you're such a cockroach and yeah. it's like uh so so i think with in the book where she's assaulted by three people and uh, uh, in the the main superhero team as opposed to the one it's sort of just saying right out the gate like look they're all terrible yeah. and they're kind of just all terrible in the same way the the TV show tries to be a bit more nuanced where, okay, there's definitely no moral purity here, but they're morally impure in, in more subtle ways. I think it's more nuanced the other way. It's a more universal comment on what power does mm-hmm. to those, you know, already unequal relationships between men and women, for example, um, whereas the deep is a douchebag, right? I mean, that's kind of what yeah. we get with the television production of it that we don't necessarily get. We get a different message, I think, from from the comic. And I think it's a better message. Well, I'm going to somewhat disagree because I, I think the deep is interesting in that that was our introduction to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, he blackmailed her yep. into sexual service. but And I think we frame him because of that act. If we take that out at the rest of the season, I think he's actually arguably the most sympathetic character. Yeah. Because like he's he he's trying <laughs> to pretty he's trying to save the dolphins and they're just mocking him. They're yeah. like, Oh, you just you're you're dumb. You're like you're the dumbest person on this team. Go See, away. but that's also one of like the beautiful, horrible things about the complexity of it is that you can be a terrible person or a person who does terrible things and still also do good things and people have a really hard time figuring out where to put that. Yes. And that discomfort, that complexity yes. is the most important thing I think about it. Yeah, I and, would agree. Uh, and not to mention that he himself gets kind of sexually assaulted later. Mm-hmm. And that forces us to go, wait, how, how am I supposed to feel about this? No, like, no, in the show, it's. I kind of hate you. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of hate you for what you did before, but like, do I condone this or do I not condone yeah. this? Because you, you really have to see how uncomfortable he is mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, you're talking about the, uh, in the show, the motel. The room, whole thing, right? very yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and I think in the show, to sort of segue away from that, is um, much more corporate. In the yeah. books, they're sort of tied up with a corporation. They kind of just need money. In the show, I think there's this overarching idea of the little guy against those in power. There, there's the corporation, which brings in the iconography, right? We're doing a movie about A-Train. He's wearing his A-Train symbol. Um, it, it's just like, like when they do a teaser poster for wonder woman and all they do is they put the wonder woman symbol up there Mm -hmm. and it's the money, it's the corporation, it's the movie. It's, it's about sort of the superhero culture all wrapped up with the celebrity and corporations and money and, uh, governments and those who have the power. And then the boys are just, they're just a pack of dudes that don't really have any powers. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, just, just before we kind of you know move on, we interviewed Richard K. Morgan, who talked mm-hmm. extensively 
about sex and violence in literature and, you know, the idea of gratuity, the gratuitous sex and the gratuitous violence of literature or film. And he takes this, a similar approach with regard to um, the way it works in his work in that, ironically, there's nothing more deep in, in our nature than sex and violence. He referred to a book that I just yeah. finished by a guy named Harari called Sapiens, and it's a study of evolution and the way in which if you think there are a couple of things that are in our DNA, sex, violence, and then how we evolved was fiction, storytelling. That's what separates us in some ways from the animals. But, you know, one of the things he sort of said was, even if you, you know, even if you like Jane Austen novels, you know, you're in many ways reading those novels for the ballroom porn, the, the window <laughs> Every, dressing. Everything is porn. The dress, you know, the superficial stuff. I uh. want to see the, you know, I want to see the dance described. I want to see the gentleman, you know, coming over to ask the woman to, you know, all the formality stuff. We like that if that's our thing. And that in many ways is not speaking to the depths of human nature. So yeah. I'm getting off my soapbox now. So we can talk about... We can, That's so pessimistic, man. We can talk about something more fun, which is empowered. Oh, empowered's great. Yeah. It, and this is this is absolutely the, the most optimistic out of, out of all of them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I picked it because it's sort of a deconstruction in how superheroes... Um, have approached sex mm -hmm. and approached the physical body, particularly the female body, and uh, it, particularly the, the 90s era of superheroes, which for those of us who are old enough, try and pretend that didn't exist in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, because it's like, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when I was reading this, um, I, <laughs> I kept thinking about a really cheesy 80s television show called the greatest american hero <laughs> where a guy i know what you're talking about yeah I this it, really I know what you're about. you know wimpy kind of you know picked on dude gets a, a suit with superpowers but he can't quite figure out how they work so he like flies into walls uh -oh. and yeah <laughs> isn't that just the plot of shazam <laughs> yeah I mean, sort of yeah that's so, yeah that's another one that's sort of in that yeah uh, the empowered uh no confidence dweeb, yeah. I guess they would yeah, all say Yeah, that. no confidence dweeb. That's the way I would describe him. Yeah, good. So, so empowered. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my favorite part is um, in this book is when uh, this, this nerdy fat guy kidnaps her. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a sort of short story, a short chapter. It's only like five pages. Mm -hmm. um, but he kidnaps her and says, you're mine, my precious, and rips her clothes off. And she's sitting there naked. Said, yes, it's all mine. And he puts on her super suit mm -hmm. and <laughs> it becomes instantly skin tight, yes. like over every inch of his body. And I'm trying to be tactful here, yeah. but the book is definitely not tactful. You see where I'm going here? Yeah. It's skin tight in all the places, including the wrong places. So he just wanted the super suit. So here's this, this chubby dweeb <laughs> now who's skin tight and you're seeing all the details that you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I think I'm going to be sick. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, the super suit doesn't work for him. Mm. You know, convenient plot thing where he just like rips it off and takes it back. Yeah. And it's this complete inverse of, well, you know, if you're you're going to draw superheroes, it might as or super a super chick. She might as well be like pretty and, you know, might as well make that skin tight and sort of. But once as you flip that, it's like, yeah, no, wait, no, I, dislike, dislike, do not want. Mm hmm. So it, it's uh, it really absolutely um, uh, wants to talk about the the gender issues and how absolutely absurd these the the, the double standard is. Yeah, it's but I, great. But I also think it comes sort of full circle in our discussion here because you know the filth is doing something with the comfort of the superhero uh, genre in that it's breaking the narratives and making us feel uncomfortable about the black and white morality you know, absolute morality that we're used to seeing dictated to us through more traditional superhero narratives. And here, it's also doing some of that, right? It's sort of taking that place where we're supposed to feel comfortable and also through using sort of humor, exposing those things that we would normally associate with superheroes to the sort of discomfort of our hero with her own image, yeah. yeah, with her sexuality, with, you know, all of the kinds of things that mere mortals worry about. It's all like that, though. And I think that was yeah. uh, another thing that is really important in the superhero mythos is the origin story. And I don't believe from what I read that we got any of Empowered's origin story, but she's talking to the other, the other, uh, her super team is called the Super Homies. Yeah. Which is yes. just great. <laughs> yes. But she's talking to the other super homies and she's like, really? All of you are super powered because of alien STDs? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like nothing noble yeah. about that. Right. Yeah. It's not like as this super alien general came down here and he bestowed me with his powers because he saw that I was worthy. Mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. I was basically infected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah, she's got all the body image issues that like Wonder Woman never has. She flies in wearing kind of this bathing suit number with high boots mm -hmm. and goes, well, I'm here to kick some butt. And, and Empowered is like, speaking of butts, I'm super self-conscious about mine. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm not comfortable in this outfit, but it's the only thing that gives me superpowers. And my superpowers are kind of lame on top of that. So it's this inverse of the confidence, both as her ability to do something, how she is presented and in, in this very typical, and it's not just women. I, I think the, the approach to the, the physical body in superheroes yeah. is, is very Roman statue. Like, oh, yeah. There's no material on Earth that is going to let you see like all the abs on Batman's body. Yeah. But we, we want to present it in such a way that accentuates like this, this physical perfection. Yeah. And she's, I think presented as a beautiful woman but it's like yeah but i'm super self-conscious and I, I i don't like i like my eyes but i don't like my butt and it's this very human deconstruction of that mm -hmm. roman-esque perfection yeah you know what else makes me uncomfortable ending the podcast the end of the pub yeah mm. Boo. the pub <laughs> is produced at the university of wisconsin parkside from the studio at wipz 101.5 fm you can tune in Sundays at 2 to catch new episodes, and you can also find The Pub on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or you can head over to our website at straylightmag.com for fiction, poetry, art, and, of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for regular updates on new content. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing.